Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, today I want to I want to deal with the fact this is Fourth of July weekend, and I think that it's important for us to stop and and visit what does the what does the responsibility as Christians what is our responsibility in how we live in our in our culture in our society? You know, I, I want to. <coughs> I want to not cough is what I want to not do. Um, What I want is is for us to to kind of be refreshed in our our memory about what what it means to be a Christian in our our culture. Now, um, for decades, we have been told that there is this thing called a separation of church and state. And we have been told that our faith, our belief, our beliefs have no place in the public realm and certainly no place in in the political realm. But as we're going to look at today, the founding fathers, the, the architects of our Constitution had exactly the opposite perspective. And more importantly than that, God has told us that we are to be salt and light in our, our society, in, in our community. And that it is, if, if we are to be salt and light, it is our responsibility as the church to, to have an impact, to have an effect on, on our, our, our lives, on, on our society, on our, our government, on, on every aspect of our lives. So government through the courts has said that we have to keep our faith out of the public, public sector, and God has told us to be engaged in the public sector. So what it boils down to is who are we going to obey? Who are we going to be faithful to? Now, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 18, says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Now notice that we are to make disciples and to teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. So that means that nothing should be off limits. If Jesus taught it, then we are to teach it. And so if we the church are being obedient to what Jesus has told us to do, then all of society is actually going to benefit from that. You know, if we're being faithful to the Word of God, then we're being salt because we're going to have an influence. You know, salt does two things. It preserves... Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Salt preserves, it keeps things from rotting as fast, but salt also enhances it, it brings the flavor out. I personally think that salt is one of the food groups, you know, it, it goes with everything. So, um, you know, it, we, we need to understand that if we're to be salt, it means that we really have to be engaged. Now, Cindy and I bought a, a car here a, a while back. And it, it was a brand new car. The, you know, it, it was a wonderful thing for us to be able to have. And in that brand new car, there was an owner's manual. The owner's manual is something that is made by the creator of the car. And the point of the owner's manual is to tell you how to care for that car. It tells you everything you need to know about how to make that car function at its optimal level. Well, you know what I did with that owner's manual? I rolled down the window and I pitched it out the window because I'm free and nobody is going to tell me how to drive my car. I'm a free person and so nobody should be able to tell me how to live or how to act or what I should do with my car. And that dumb old owner's manual, it said put gasoline in that car. But you know what? The first time it was time to fill that car up, I was filling me a diesel. You know, I, I'm going to make this car. You, you hear those diesels all around town? They sound like an asthmatic. I mean, that is the coolest sound in the world. And so I put me some diesel in that car, even though the owner's manual said put gasoline in there. And you know what happened? My beautiful Chevy Traverse turned into a Ford. That's it. <laughs> it broke down. The Bible teaches us everything we need to know about life. It is the owner's manual for humanity. How we are to live, how we are to act, how we are to do everything we need to know how to do. How to live successfully and happily, and how to live a life that is full of joy because it is a life full of the presence of God. That's what the Bible does. But you see, our society has decided that the Bible is the owner's manual and they don't need no stinking owner's manual telling them how to live. And so as a result, people have pitched the, the, the owner's manual for life out the window and they're thinking, I'm free, no one's telling me how to live. And as a result, what we have done is we have redefined freedom. We have redefined uh, liberty. We have redefined all of the essentials. And what we have really done is given ourselves license for immorality. You know, under the banner of freedom, people have, have chosen depravity. They have chosen evil. You know, and, and the perfect proof of that is here this recent, when Roe v. Wade was, was overturned, 
You know, this, this is a perfect example because many in our society, no, let me correct that. Everyone in our society knows good and well that abortion is killing a human being, period. There, there is no discussion about that. But the reality is, is that people are outraged. They, they, are, they are livid with anger because how dare someone tell them that they can't murder a child in order to make life more simple and easy for themselves. You know, it, it, is, it is clearly wrong. It is clearly evil. There, there should be no debate about this. So... If we would just use the instruction manual that our Maker has, has made for us, has given us, then we could be living lives that are more effective, more intelligent, more enjoyable. Now, we've all heard of Webster's Dictionary, right? Well, Noah Webster, of whom Webster's Dictionary is made after, he's one of our founding fathers, and he wrote this. He said, All of the miseries and evils which men suffer from, vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war, proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. You know, in other words, there, you know, if we would just stop and if we would look at the sin that is affecting each and every one of our lives, the sin that is affecting our society, the, the sin that, that is pervading over all of us, it boils down to people are either neglecting or they are rejecting what the Bible teaches. So we begin by just asking, well, what is our role? What, what is our responsibility? Well, in Matthew 22, 21, Jesus says, Render under Caesar's what is Caesar's, and under God what is God's. So if we're going to obey all of God's commands, let's begin by looking at this one. First of all, and, and, and this is a trick question, who is Caesar in America today? Who is Caesar? It's not the government. It's you and I. Because we are the government. We the people. So we are responsible for that mess in Washington. And we are responsible for who gets elected. We are responsible for who represents us. We the people run the government, so we are Caesar. In, in the time that, that the Bible was written, people didn't have the freedom to elect their leaders. They were told, this is who your king is. This is who your dictator is. This is who, this is, who is in charge. They, they weren't consulted about that whatsoever. And so the reason that, that we have this mess that we have today, it, it's my fault and it's your fault. Because we have, we have elected those ninnies. You know, it, it's on us. And, and so government is supposed to answer to us. But because we're not doing our job, we're not engaged, then they get away with doing the dumb things that they do. You know, if we're going to render under Caesar what is Caesar's, then we must do our job. 
For our political and our economic system to work, the people got to be involved. And, and so we are to take our Christian principles and apply them to our civic life. Charles Finney, who he was a preacher in, during the Second Great Awakening, is he not one scary looking dude? How would you like to meet him in a dark alley? I am seriously thinking about going for that look. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to start letting the hair grow and I'll shave back. And I mean, that, that's a look. But anyhow, Charles Finney was a, was a great preacher back in, in, during the, the Second Great Awakening. And this is what he said, the church must take the right ground in regards to politics. Politics are a part of a religion in such a country as this. And Christians must do their duty to the country as a part of their duty to God. Stop right there and just think about that. What about separation of church and state? Yeah, well... Politics is a part of this country. And if we are going to be salt and light, if we are going to render under Caesar that which is Caesar's, then we must be engaged in the political process as Christians. Finney goes on to say, it seems sometimes as if the foundations of the nation are becoming rotten, you think? And Christians seem to act as if they think God does not see what they do in politics. But I tell you, He does see it. And He will bless or curse this nation according to the course they take. God will bless or curse the nation based on the course we take. Politics are a part of our life. Like it or not, Politics are no different than our family, our work, our recreation. Politics, it is part of everything that we are. It affects every aspect of our life. And so, as Christians, it needs to be a part of who we are and what we are engaged in. Let me tell you that there is no such thing as a secular and spiritual split. It does not exist. You know, can, can you imagine hearing a, a great sermon? You'd have to hear it somewhere else. But you, hearing a great sermon on how to be a good father or a good mother or how to be a good husband or a, 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 good, a good wife, and you hear this great sermon on the way home, you're talking about it with your, your family, and you say, boy, I, I wish I could apply that. But, you know, the separation of church and home, I, 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 I can't talk about it. I, I can't apply that to my life. Or uh, imagine hearing a, a, a message about how to, how to be a really good employee or, or, or be a good boss. And, and you, know, you, you hear all of these principles on, on how, to, how to live a Christian life in the workplace. And then you go, wow, man, that, that, that is such good information. But, you know, separation of church and work, I, I, I can't apply that. It's, it's silly. It's ridiculous, right? Well, so is separation of church and state. It, they don't exist. That does not exist. Actually, 
if you go back and, and, and choose to look at what Jefferson was talking about when he said separation of church and state, he was saying we are protecting the church from the state, not the state from the church. So they got that wrong. You know, so I guarantee you, I, you know, I guarantee you that the godless pagans are applying their belief system to their politics. So why on earth would we not be applying the right belief, the, the, the teaching of the Word of God to, to our own politics? There is no secular and spiritual split. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and its people belong to Him. The good theological understanding is, everything belongs to God. So, if it belongs to God and we're ignoring any part of it, then we're not following His instruction manual. So, as Finney says, take the right ground. Well, what does that mean? Well, Remember, Jesus told the story of the parables, and or the, the, the parable of the ten, the talents. And you have a talent. The one person was given ten talents, and one was given five talents, and one was given one talent. And when they were called to be accountable for that talent, the the one who had buried his one talent, the 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 owner was furious. He said, "You wicked servant." Be gone with you. You know, he had him cast out. Well, you and I have been given a talent of freedom. We live in a country that is unlike anywhere else. We have been given a gift. We talk about the fact that, oh, we're so blessed that we get to live in America. And, oh, we're so blessed that we have the freedoms that we have. This is a gift from God. It is a talent that has been given to us. So what are we doing with that talent? <clears throat> the fact that our country is in the shape that it is in is proof that for the most part, you and I have buried our talent. We have not taken advantage of the freedoms that we have been given. We have not, we have not stepped up to the plate and, and lived the way we're supposed to. We have to live in a way that is accountable to God. Every right has a corresponding responsibility. And so if we want to have a, a free country that, that is enjoying its liberty and, and the people are living successful lives, then we have to do the work necessary for that to happen. You know, if we don't exercise our responsibilities, then our, our freedoms are not going to go with them. You know, we are being wicked and we are being slothful as servants if we don't step up and be responsible. James 4.17 says, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. We're in a culture war right now. And to remain silent is sin. You know, there, there are competing views out there that are very much opposed to biblical Christianity. Views that say it's okay to murder unborn children. 
You know, there are views out there that says homosexuality should be embraced as as a normal, acceptable lifestyle. Views that are clearly opposed to what the Bible teaches. You know, and, and if we sit on the sideline and we say, well, that's just really not something I'm comfortable with, to be silent is sin. To, to remain on the sidelines is sin. You know, to say, I'm not going to get involved. So, you know, if we, if we don't get involved, we're, we're doing damage. And or to say, well, I'm going to vote for a candidate who I know supports issues that are contrary to the Word of God. That's sin. You know, it doesn't matter. It, it's sin. And if you say, well, I just can't bring myself to vote for the lesser of evils. No, that doesn't work. And here's why. Unless Jesus Christ is on the ballot, we're all evil. All right? So you have always voted for the lesser of evils. We need to be engaged. We need to understand that. Jesus is not on the ballot. But Christian morals and values are, are definitely being challenged or, or addressed on the ballot. So we have this wonderful gift of freedom. And so what do we do with it? Well, Luke 12, 48 says, To whom much is given, much is required. Most of us have never had to pay a price for our freedom. Those of you who have served in the military, you have paid a, a part of that price. But the people who ultimately paid are the ones who have laid down their lives. You know, and, and so we, we have had a free ride. We've had a pretty easy go of it for the most part. In Romans 13.7 it says, Render honor to whom honor is due. So we, we should honor our military and our police and our firefighters and our first responders and, and all who are putting their lives on the line you know, that, that are giving us the, the quality of life that we have. And one of the ways that we show honor is by, is by exercising our rights, by being good citizens. You know, people who don't bother, bother to vote, who, who don't hold politicians accountable, you know, when we don't even do the basics much of the time, that's, that's not honoring those who have laid down their lives. Abraham Lincoln, as part of his Gettysburg Address, said that from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. When we don't rise to the occasion, when we don't fulfill the responsibilities we have as citizens of this nation, then we are not giving the, the honor to those who have died. They died in vain. So the millions of men and women over the years, going back from the, the revolution till the present, you know, uh, what did they die for? Well, they died for the, the American experience. You know, no nation has ever 
had the blessing on it that America has had. You know, uh, the, no nation has ever been as wealthy as we have. No nation has ever been as free, have been as blessed, has been as generous as this nation has been. Um, there's a Frenchman by the name of Alex de Tocqueville, and he coined a term, American exceptionalism. And it's the idea that what we have here in America is special, it's unique, it's, it's one of a kind. And, and he was very insightful. He said, when the taste for physical gratification among them, he's talking about Americans, has grown more rapidly than their education, the time will come when, they, when men are carried away and lose all self-restraint. That sounds kind of familiar. It is not necessary to do violence to such a people in order to strip them of the rights they enjoy. They themselves willingly loosen their hold. They neglect their chief business, which is to remain their own masters. In essence, what he's saying is exactly what we see going on. People will willingly give up their freedoms. People will willingly surrender their liberties so that as long as their life doesn't get messed with, that's all they. That's all that, that is going to be cared about. You know, we aren't even going to have to be given up our freedom by force. That we would just give it up easily because I just want my life. Just, just I don't want to have to be put out. I just, just want everything to take care. You know, when we forget who we are and we forget what we stand for. You know, we're constantly being told what a lousy country are. Well, we're so full of bad people. Look at the way we treat people. Oh, blah, blah. You know, we, we are a great nation. We have done great things. You know, if, if you want to know whether America is a good nation or not, are people trying to get in or are they trying to get out of America? You know, all you have to do is go to North Korea or, or any other country. Are people trying to get in or are they trying to get out? You know, people are trying to get into this nation still. That means that we're still a heck of a lot better than a lot of other places. Ronald Reagan said, if we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. You know, the reason that we have political failure, the reason we have government abusing our constitutional rights, when we have governors behaving like dictators and all of the different things, is because the reason we have a broken political system is because of our civic ignorance. Because we are not taking responsibility for our own nation. You know, if you want freedom and liberty on this side, then what we have to do is do the work necessary on the other side. Mike Huckabee says, history is to culture what memory is to an individual. If a culture, a civilization doesn't understand, know, or even care about its history, it's going to be a civilization that is lost, confused, and living in chaos, which is where we are headed. And isn't that, isn't that us exactly right now? 
It's critical that we understand this. You know, America has saved the world from tyranny, from the tyranny of Nazism, from the tyranny of socialism and and despotism. And it is our men and women that laid down their lives to save other nations. You know, we left those, we left Germany and Japan better off than, than we found them. You know, after we defeated those two countries, we re- rebuilt those countries. We're the only nation on the, the planet that has ever done something like that. You know, um, it, it's time that we, we stand up and realize the, the, the reason for our nation. Now, I, I'm going to kind of jump ahead a little bit because we're, we're actually out of time. But what we need to understand is that we must stand for truth. God cannot honor us if we don't stand up for truth. You know, we, we are not loving people if we don't be honest. And when people spout stuff that is not what the Bible teaches, and, and we say nothing, we are sinning. You know, it is, it is our responsibility to say, this is what is right. This is what is truth. This is what the Bible teaches. And then we stand for that. Are people going to like hearing that? Absolutely not. Are people going to get angry? Yes. Are people going to attack you personally? Yes. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Yes. But is it the right thing to do? Absolutely yes. We must, we, we need to grow a backbone, folks. And we need to start standing up for what is right and what is godly and what is truth. You know, without godliness, without morality, the worst in humanity is going to to take over. And that is exactly what we see happening in our society right now. You know, you can't have liberty on the one hand if you don't have godliness and morality on the other. You know, that's the whole socialist doctrine is that you don't need God to have, have a great country. All you need is everybody to pull together and say, all right, we, we're all going to work for the same cause. Humanity is sinful. No one is going to work for the, the cause of, apart from having the presence of Jesus Christ in their life. You know, it, it can't happen. George Washington said, in vain would that man claim to be tribute of patriotism who works to subvert these great pillars. What pillars is he talking about? He's talking about Christianity and morality. He's saying, without them, you you can't be a patriot. You can't love America if you don't understand that it is based on, that it is founded on, that, that the very mold that it is created from is Christianity and morality. You know, I, we have been lied to for years that, that the founding fathers were deists, that they, they really didn't even really acknowledge God. You know, that, yeah, there's some God up there. That's an absolute lie. Every one of our founding fathers, the, the men and, who wrote the Constitution, every one of them were, were hard and fast followers of Jesus Christ. You know, all you have to do is look at their writings. You know, Thomas Jefferson, again, he's not a perfect man. None of these were perfect men. We're not perfect. But Thomas Jefferson said, Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed 
um, their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift of God. Now, this is where we find ourselves. We as a nation have allowed godless people to come in and strip away all the vestiges of morality and all of the vestiges of godliness. And, and they're trying to promote an attitude that we can do this without God and with, without godliness. And the fact is that that can never happen. It's not going to happen. We are salt and light. We are to be a city on a hill. And we will not change the world. We will not change the, the society. We can't change our community if we sit still and are quiet about it. Salt slows down rot. And that's our job, is to slow down the rot. The Constitution states, government derives its just power from the consent of the governed. That's what we are, to, we are the governed. And we need, to, we need to step up. And we need to say, this is what must happen. And again, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pleasant. You will have opposition. But it's what is right, and it is what this nation needs if it's going to survive. We're right back to the start. It is our responsibility to influence our culture. You're going to be told to shut up because there is no, that there is a separation of church and state. The reality is, is that to deny your responsibility as a follower of Christ is to deny Christ. You have a job to do. You have a responsibility, first and foremost to God, but then to this community, to this society. If we remain silent, it's on our shoulders. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a message that is not a pleasant message from the standpoint that it's scary to stand up and be counted. It's difficult to, to think about what can happen, that, that people uh, will respond in a negative way. But the reality is, Lord, one day we're going to have to face You. And it is much more important that we please You than man. And so, Father, my prayer is that You would help each of us to be bold. That You would help each of us to stand up and be counted. That You would help each of us to, to have the spirit that our forefathers had. The, the men who founded this nation who were willing to say, I will risk everything for the cause of freedom and the cause of liberty, recognizing that you are the author. Please help us, Father. And I give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>